to Robeson's trap, charging full speed down Station Road, were to wait on the branch line where there was a gap between the trucks in the siding. Sometimes the siding was filled with other trucks, loaded with cattle cake from Gloucester, coal from the Forest of Dean, fertilizer from Avonmouth. On such days, the doctor boarded the train further down the line near the allotments, which were dotted alongside the permanent way, half-acre plots, one-acre plots, and some smaller pieces of land. When the railway company acquired the land in 1864, they often had to buy whole fields or pieces of fields. The land alongside the siding was about two acres long and narrow. A hut stood there where the plate layers had their lunch and kept their tools safely locked away. Hedgehooks, crowbars, spades, pickaxes and sledgehammers, all used for maintaining the track. Bill Drinkwater's little coal wharf and hut were handy to where his truck of coal stood. No one but the doctor ever caught the train in the siding, not even the late squire who owned the adjoining land or the vicar who journeyed regularly from Beckford to Ashton. Moncrief, Buckram's younger brother, told me how this came about. Dr. Robeson had been one of the chief surgeons employed by the old London and Northeastern Railway Company. In the early days of steam railway, accidents were common, ghastly accidents, with many folk injured. It was a time of trial and error. The signalling system was still in an experimental stage. The Great Western Railway were first in the field in perfecting a near-foolproof signalling system. The early passenger coaches were made of wood, and when there was a train crash, the wood splintered. The casualties were numerous. Dr. Robeson saved many lives at many train crashes, and witnessed some awful scenes when he was a surgeon in charge of first aid to the injured. Moncrief told me tales of how his father applied tourniquets to stem the flow of blood from severed limbs. Although the doctor worked for the London and Northeastern Railway, his devotions and skill were common knowledge to the Midland Railway Company. In fact, he worked among the injured at the scene of a railway accident near Bristol. Dr. Robeson's way of dress was as much a mark of his profession as the corduroys of the men in the fields. The doctor, when on his rounds, wore a black frock coat with cloth-covered buttons and striped trousers which clung to his legs like six-inch drainpipes at the bottom but nicely shaped around the breech. His boots were black, buttoned at the side. The box hat, fashionable at the time, was not as deep as a topper. When out with the gun and sailor, his spaniel dog, Dr. Edward looked like the farmers of the village, dressed in tweeds in a soft hat. I watched the doctor working in his surgery under a window which was close to the roadside footpath. He appeared mystical to me, as he mixed his medicines over a sink with a bucket of water beside him. His closely clipped King Edward VII beard, under a grey moustache, stained with nicotine, fascinated me and fired my imagination. The smoking cap that he wore on his head smacked of the east. Was he a miracle man? Did his medicines grow from the herbs of the hill? He counted aloud as he mixed one spot of coloured liquid out of one bottle with a number of spots of some other potion. 
I could hear him counting from the footpath. The now shaking hand of a man of eighty allowed one spot too many to fall into the enamel bowl. Damn and blast, he called out as he threw the whole mixture down the sink and started again to spot the potions into the measured spring water in the bowl. This time his measurements were satisfying to him, so he poured the mixture into a funnel which he fixed into the neck of the medicine bottle, filled the bottle, and stuck on a label with instructions on it. He then covered the bottle with white paper, melted some sealing wax to seal the edges, and someone's prescription was ready for collection. At six o'clock, the villagers collected their cough mixtures, their jalap and indigestion mixtures reeking of peppermint. Tell your father to give the bottle a thundering good shaking before he takes his medicine, boy, I remember him saying.